0: Our reading today comes from Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 15. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you shall pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done
1: morning. Just checking that this microphone's working. Thanks, Mark. Before I begin, uh, I want to let you know about something that's happening on Saturday, uh, and that is, if you're interested in music, there is a songwriting uh, concert on at Old Acre Street uh, Church building, and that is an event, it's an event for songwriters from all over Tasmania. Um, and it, it, it's people who are writing songs uh, and, and kind of sharing their hope through music are uh, doing this concert. And so, if you're interested in music, if you're interested in songwriting or music, or you just love to support the gifts in the church, then uh, come along to this. It's at seven o'clock on Saturday evening at Old Acre Street. I feel really privileged to be able to be here again and to open up the Word of God uh, with you. I sense that God is very much present amongst us today and I really appreciate all that's been done up to this point. So I'm excited to just bring these words of God before you and let His Spirit work in your hearts because that's what He wants to do. Now, I want to... Uh, I've got, I've, you need to work today, you see. I, it's, this is not about me sitting up here working and you sitting there as an audience. You're not the audience, you know. God is the audience. We are all working together. I'm merely kind of pointing in the right direction. So I've got some notes here for you today and I want to invite you. So I wonder if you guys would mind distributing those. That'll just give you some pointers about where I'm heading with this. But let's pray. We need to do that to begin with. Father, we thank you that you have brought us into this building this morning for a purpose. And that purpose is to know you better. We praise you, Lord, that you are the great God of heaven, the commander of the angel armies, the creator of this world, this cosmos. And you have appointed us to be your children, your sons and daughters, that we might know you and that we might bring you glory. And Father, I praise you that in your great goodness you have gathered us this morning and I ask, Lord, that you would speak to us. You already have been. Continue to speak to us, Lord, and show us what you would want to say to us today. And I pray that for your glory and your honour. Amen. There was a day when Jesus was uh, praying with, not really with his disciples, he was in prayer. You can imagine their disciples... Uh, with Jesus somewhere and it's probably up a mountain or somewhere fairly quiet and um, Jesus is over there praying and I don't know what he was doing. Maybe he's, you know, as they say, the shampoo position, you know, just head in his hands kind of. He was praying and he was pouring out his heart to God and the disciples were probably nearby. I don't know what they were doing. Doesn't, the Bible doesn't tell us, but I don't know, playing cards or drawing in the sand or I don't know. what well, They were just doing but they were... You know, observing Jesus as he was there praying, as he did often, this would have been a, a fairly common thing, and so they're, they're just observing him. And, but this day, uh, one of the disciples, it just gets the better of him. His curiosity gets the better of him, and, he, and he, he just wants to know, what is this that Jesus is doing? Because the disciples knew that prayer was an important part of Jesus' life. They knew that prayer was, imp- was powerful. It was powerful for Jesus because Jesus always seemed to know what to say. He always knew how to respond to people. He always had this incredible wisdom. He always had this capacity to to do things, you know, heal the sick, cast out the demons, uh, raise the dead, whatever it was. Jesus was just this amazing character. And the disciples just wanted to know what, what is this prayer thing that Jesus does? I mean... Prayer, you know, it's an Old Testament thing. It's been around for a long time, but what, how do you do this prayer? And so they come up to him and they say, Jesus, would you teach us to pray? And fortunate for us, we have the teaching that Jesus gave the disciples. We have it in the form of the Lord's Prayer. We know the Lord's Prayer, and I don't know if you, in this congregation, you tend to recite it, I come from an Anglican background and we every week we'd recite the Lord's Prayer and I mean I've written a song about it you know a musical version of it but we know the Lord's Prayer but do do you ever really kind of think about that and and just pull it apart and think about what is this teaching that Jesus taught us so I want to do that today and have a look at that look at the Lord's Prayer and dissect it and pull it apart and think about it and encourage you to use this because I really believe that Jesus did not intend us just simply to recite the Lord's Prayer and that's it. Um, I don't think that's enough. Sure, there's nothing wrong with doing that, but I don't think that's enough. I think what he was saying was, "Here's here's the paradigm, here's the structure of how you should come before God in prayer. So let's have a look at that. But to do that, I want to give you an analogy. An analogy uh, might or might not be useful. So I'll give it to you and you can do what you like with it. But the analogy is this. Imagine you're about to set out on a big adventure. Now, Ryan, I have to... Is Ryan here? He's not here. Well, I, He's on a big adventure. I, I have to let Ryan know that I actually can't come to the forward driving day next Saturday. Uh, I'm really sad about that because I really wanted to go, to go. But I've got this concert in the evening and I just don't want to risk... You know, having a broken diff out in the back of the sticks and not being able to get to the concert. So anyway, just imagine you're on a big adventure, right? And, and you're, you've been planning for this for months. You've got all the equipment that you need. I don't know what the adventure... It could be forward driving. It could be hiking. It could be, I don't know, some kind of creative crafty sort of thing that you're doing with... Some, whatever the adventure is, you, the point is you've got this amazing, incredible guide who's going to lead you on this adventure. So this guide is... The reputation of this person goes way before. They are just incredible. They are so knowledgeable. They are so wise. They're so approachable, so engaging. You've heard so much about them and you just cannot wait to be on this adventure with this particular person as the leader. Prayer and the Lord's Prayer has a real connection to that i want to use that as an analogy and keep coming back to that because prayer is like your interaction with that guide okay it's your communication with this most amazing person so how do you pray the disciple came to jesus and he said lord would you teach us to pray and jesus response was when you pray pray like this Our Father in heaven. That's the first phrase. What does that mean to you? When you say, our Father in heaven, what does that mean to you? Jesus was the one who taught us to treat God as Father. Before Jesus, the Jews didn't think of God as Father. In fact, they considered that uh, offensive. God's too, too big and too holy and too majestic to be a father. But Jesus taught us, no, God is our father. Why? Because a father, an ideal father, a perfect father, is one who protects. He's one who provides. He's one who nurtures. He's one who wants to see his children rise up to become mature. Isn't he? This is who we're coming before in prayer. And this is where prayer starts. If we don't really know who we're praying to, then it's going to affect the way that we pray. But if we know that we're coming to God who is our Father, then that changes everything. We don't have to worry about what we're going to say. As if a three year old child comes up to his dad and worries about, oh, how I'm going to express my feelings and my thoughts to my Father. They don't care about that. They just come up with whatever they've got and they just talk, they communicate. God is our father. God is incredible. He a father is one who loves, isn't he? Doesn't God love us so much? I mean, we come before a God in prayer. We come before the one who loves us, the one who's done everything to draw us close to himself. Why do we worry about whether we're going to offend him or whether we're going to whether we've done the wrong thing and therefore we should stay away or God is our father. We can come to him perfectly and in peace. A true son or daughter, which is what we're called to be, is one who bears the exact resemblance of the father. I better not look at that clock. Because it's actually changed. It's not the same as last week. Time's shifted, but it's actually 10 past 12. So we've been here for a long time. Time flies, doesn't it? A child is one who bears the exact resemblance of, of the father and that is what God wants us to be. That's what he's, he's drawing us to be. So we can come before him because we are, his, we are his sons and his daughters. We are the ones who he is raising up to become just like him. And you know the good thing? The good thing is that he's our heavenly father, not our earthly father. My own father's here and I, I, I really love my dad. He's just he's amazing in so many ways and I'm so grateful to you, Dad, for all you've done uh, for us as kids. But, you know, my dad's not perfect and your dads are not perfect and for some of you, your dads were so far from perfect, it's, it's offensive. Some people have fathers who are just so troublesome that they find it really difficult to think of God as father. But that's why it's important to recognize we shouldn't judge God as being father by our own experience of fatherhood. We should remember that this is God. God should define what fatherhood should be, not the other way around. So when we pray, we come before God and we come before our, our father in heaven. The second thing, It says, hallowed be your name. It's kind of an old world sort of word, isn't it? You don't really use the word hallowed. In your adventure with this guide, remember you're on this adventure with this guide. This guide is amazing and you know every day through your adventure you realise more and more how incredible this guide is. What you want is for your guide to be recognised as incredible. You want everyone to know just how amazing and wise and adventurous and skillful and uh, courageous this person is. We want their reputation to go before them as the most incredible person. We want them to be famous. That's the same with this prayer. Hallowed be your name is really saying we want to honour God as holy. It's got that idea of holy. Holy. God is holy. God is not like anything on this world. God is not... God, God's peace, his uh, patience, his love, his power, his mercy, his grace, these characteristics are not like what we see around us. We might see some, some evidence of those characteristics in this world, but God is so much... He's, he's the perfect version of those incredible characteristics. He is holy. He is not like this world. And we want him to be recognized as that. The angels recognize God's holiness. You see in Isaiah, the, uh, the, angels are, the angels who are ministering to God, they actually are covering their faces. Why are they covering their faces? They're covering their faces because of God's holiness. They can't look on God. He is so perfect. So amazingly incredible that they can't even look on his face. And if you go to Revelation, you see uh, all the the beasts and the elders gathered around the, the throne. And what are they doing? They're singing about God's holiness. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And in prayer, what we want, our prayer, is that God would be recognized as holy. That in every aspect of our life, God would be seen as holy. You know, you come before God in prayer at the beginning of the day, for example, and you think about what's in your agenda for that day, what's coming up, the meetings you have, the people you're going to see, the responsibilities you need to take care of. You think of the things that, you know, there are things that will happen that you are not aware of. And and this this part of the prayer is saying, Through all of those aspects of this day that's in front of me, I want God to be recognized as holy. I want him to be recognized as amazing and awesome and just an awesome God. You see, we're not praying these things to remind God of them. We're praying these things because we need to know. We don't pray because we tell God stuff he doesn't know. That's not why we pray. God knows everything. It says that in Matthew's account. We, we don't, as soon as we say something, God already knows that. We don't have to tell God things because we need to inform him of something. He knows everything already. What we're doing is we're coming to God and, and praying these things because we, want, we need the work to happen in us. We need God to move in us and to influence us that way. So thirdly, we come to the next phrase, your kingdom come. So going back to our adventure, our desire is for the plans and the, and the vision of our guide to be fulfilled. You see, our guide is leading us on this adventure because our guide knows that it, our guide has a, has a vision for where they want to take us or what they want to do. They, they, they have this perspective about, how amazing this trip will be or this adventure will be. And so what we want is to go where our guide proposes and to work with what our guide proposes in order that we would see the vision that our guide has for this adventure. It's the same with God. We're praying, King, let your kingdom come, because God has this vision of what life could be. Anna already mentioned John 10.10. Jesus came that we might have life and life to the full. He has a vision of life to the full. He knows what life to the full... We think we know what it is, but we don't know. God knows what life to the full is. He knows what he built you for and wants to see in your life. He has this vision of this kingdom. It's described as the kingdom in Scripture. This kingdom is where God is king and where God is able to do what God wants to do. And when he builds that kingdom, it is amazing. I mean, Jesus came to bring the kingdom, didn't he? Jesus brought the kingdom of God on earth. And you know what happened when he came? Wherever Jesus came and brought the kingdom, demons were cast out. Sickness was cast out. Dead people were raised back to life. This is the sort of example of what the kingdom of God is going to be like. And we will see it in the future. Right now we see it in bits and pieces but our prayer here is to say God we want your kingdom to come. Not my kingdom. We so often come to God, we're tempted to come to God in prayer and basically to pray that our kingdom would come. Lord we want our kingdom, I want this thing to happen and I think this should happen and that's not what this prayer is saying. It's saying your kingdom come. And then to follow on from that, the next phrase, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How is God's will done in heaven? It's done perfectly, isn't it? I mean, we don't, we're not in heaven, but the angels up in heaven, they just follow every wish that God has, every direction that God, whatever God wills, the angels are straight on to it. That's our prayer, is that his will would be done on earth, just like it is in heaven. I mean, it would be silly if we go back to our adventure, all right, and our guide, we're we're doing this adventure with this guide. It would be silly for me to try to impose my ideas on what the guide should do. I mean, this guide is experienced, incredibly experienced, and incredibly capable. Why on earth would I come along and try to tell that person, oh, no, you shouldn't do it like that. Oh, no, we should do this. Oh, no, I want to do this, and I want to go here. and That's just silly. And yet, do we not often do that with God? I spoke last week about the need for surrender and laying ourselves down. Prayer is so much about surrender. It's about coming before God and saying, it's not my will, but it's yours. Lord, I want you to... To do what you want to do. Uh, Andrew Murray writes in one of his books. He's the whole book is about why do we not pray very much? Why are we? Why is our prayer so limited? And he says he points the finger at one of the main reasons is because we are often living according to the flesh as opposed to living according to the spirit. And I'm just going to point you in these directions you'll have to do this work on your own because read Romans 8 verse 5 to 8 where Paul teases out the distinction between living in the flesh and living in the spirit he says living in the flesh we, we just have our mindset set on what the flesh desires what do I want to do what do I feel like doing what do I feel like spending my money on today? Where do I feel like going? What kind of house do I feel like buying? What kind of car am I going to buy? Where am I going to go on holidays? Living in the flesh is asking is just asking those questions and nothing else. Living by the Spirit is going, what does God want me to do? What does God want me to spend my money on? What, what kind of house should I buy? Would God like me to buy? To buy? What kind of, uh, you know, where am I going to go on holiday? Where would God like me to go on holidays? There's this difference. And Andrew Murray's saying, so often we live according to the flesh instead of according to the spirit. We are so worldly minded. And do you know why? It's because the world is discipling us 24 hours a day. As soon as we pick up our phone, as soon as we switch on the TV, as soon as we drive down the street and see all the advertising, as soon as we go into shops and talk to our non-Christian friends and all constantly the devil set this up so that constantly we are being taught by the world according to the world's ways. We need to counter that by looking at God's ways. Obedience is so central to the Christian life. Do you know in John 15, John fourteen fifteen Jesus says these words, he says, if you love me, how would you finish that sentence? How would, you, how, would, how would you finish that? You know, If you love God, then what? What? If you love God, sing effusive songs about his greatness. Could be, but that's not what he says. If you love God, build a fantastic church that has ministries that reach every single person in Devonport. There's nothing inherently wrong with that, but that's not what he says. If you love me, What? How would you finish that sentence? What does Jesus say? If you love me, obey my commands. Obedience is really, really important in the mind of God. And so Jesus teaches his disciples, when you pray, pray your will be done as it is in heaven. Do you notice That to this point, you have not prayed for yourself at all. You've prayed to God, the Father, for his glory and and holiness, for his kingdom and for his will. You haven't mentioned anything about what you need. That's really worth thinking about and taking to heart. When When you come to God in prayer... How quickly do you get onto your list of things that you need to pray for? The things that are worrying you, the things that are on your heart. But there is a place for that. Because here we go, the next phrase is, give us today our daily bread. What does that remind you of? Give us today our daily bread. Does it remind you of Exodus and the provision of manna in the desert? Do you read the Old Testament? Do you know those stories? You need to. Because they form the the basis of what the New Testament is building. That provision of God of manna in the desert, every day for 40 years, every day, here's more manna. Every day, here's more manna, here's more manna, here's more manna. For 40 years, God provided without fail, every day. And furthermore, he said, don't collect enough for today and tomorrow. Don't be greedy. Collect enough for today, because tomorrow I'll provide it again. If you collect enough for today and tomorrow, it'll go moldy. Just take enough for today. And so Jesus says here, give us today our daily bread. You know, so often we get worried about what's going to happen in the future. We get worried about, are we going to run out of money in the future? Is my health going to last into the future? Am I, what's going to happen with my children into the future? But God doesn't ever promise to show us about the future. He says, give us today our daily bread. The other thing it should remind you of is that Jesus is the bread of life. John chapter 6, verse 35. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never... Go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Then the second last phrase in our prayer is, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. How important is forgiveness in your theology, in your relationship with God, in your walk with people in this world? How important is forgiveness? How Are there people in your life who you just think, I just can't forgive that person. You have no idea what they did to me. It was just reprehensible. I I know people like that. Christian people. Love God. Love to worship God. Cannot forgive certain people. I get that. Corrie Ten Boom is worth reading on this one. She was... Put in a concentration camp by the Nazis in the Second World War. And she talks about meeting a German soldier who uh, she just could not forgive because of what that soldier did to her and her family. And you can kind of understand it. I mean, people do horrendous things to each other. How do you forgive someone who doesn't even care? Is not sorry. How do you forgive them? I'm just going to raise questions and I'm not going to answer them. You can, Eddie needs to do a whole sermon series on forgiveness if you really want to get into it because it's a massive topic. But can I just say, forgiveness is not small on God's radar. Forgiveness is absolutely vital. Jesus says some very stark things. Let me just read you his words. If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. If you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. That's full on. Because if God doesn't forgive you your sins, then you're not going to get into heaven. Because no one gets into heaven with sins still attached to them. That is a big statement. Forgiveness is really, really difficult. And I'm not trying to make it simple. But Jesus provides a way. Let me just put it there and let you think about that. Because if we go back to our guide, our adventure, this analogy, you want to be on good terms with the guide. You do. You don't want anything to come between you because if, you kind of, if there's this kind of angst and this kind of you know, breakdown in relationship between you, you and the guide, then you're not going to really listen to them anymore. The communication's going to break down. You're not going to get the best out of the experience and you might even end up just casting them off and going your own way. We, forgiveness is so important. Then the final... Final phrase in Jesus' prayer is, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. If we go back to our adventure, by now you're aware that this adventure is difficult. It's hard. It's hazardous. There are many side tracks that will lead you astray. Many pitfalls that could destroy you. And there is an enemy who is out to kill you. Let's make no bones about this. You have an enemy who wants to kill you. And if he can't kill you, he will at least destroy you or hamper you or discourage you or bring you down in whatever way he can. And he, it's his full-time job to figure out ways to do that. And he's smart. This journey is hazardous. Just because we have a guide does not mean that the path will be safe. Life is not safe. It doesn't matter how much insurance you have. It doesn't matter how big your reserves are. It doesn't matter what your capacity is. Life is not safe. You need a guide who will lead you well and you need to stick close to that guide. That's what this prayer is saying. Lead us not into temptation. Lord, don't take us to those places where we're going to be tested. Don't allow us to go down those sidetracks. Don't allow us to be... be, uh, to to be caught off guard. Keep us safe. Keep us in the centre of your will. The word temptation really, you can think of it best as put to the test. Lord, don't put us to the test. Don't take us to those places where we're going to be tempted. You know, temptation's not wrong, but giving in to temptation is wrong. We need to be kept. We need to be protected. We need to be kept on that path in order that we can follow that guide and we can go where He wants. How do you pray? When you come to God, whenever your time is, in the morning, maybe in the evening, how do you pray? Do you give yourself time to really come before God in this way? Do you give yourself the space? You know, some people say, well, yeah, I pray on the train to work. It's not really applicable here in Tasmania, but I pray in the car on the way to work. That's good, but it's not enough. It's not enough. You can't really get into the mind of God like this in the short minutes that you have in the car. You can do other things, but can I encourage you to take this prayer and to pull it apart in your own mind, to question, What does this mean? What does this relate to? How do I understand this? And to dig into this and to build your prayer life. Because you do have a guide. You do have a guide who is incredibly capable, is incredibly loving and approachable and wants to take you on an adventure which will blow your mind. It's better than anything you could ever imagine or create for yourself. Go with him. I know that you are, as a church, so many in so many ways. You are, as a church, grappling with this, and I encourage you to continue digging into this and seeking this further and further. Let me pray. Lord God, I praise you for your words, uh, and and the Lord, what we know as the Lord's prayer. I thank you for your wisdom. And I thank you for teaching us to pray. And Lord, I ask that you would continue to teach us to pray. That you would develop this more and more in our thinking. And that you would enable us, Lord, to to come before you as the great God who provides, as our Father who loves us and wants the best for us. Father, I, I pray that where there are sticking points, where there are difficulties, where there are things that we just feel we cannot do, that we would come to Jesus and allow him to work those things in our lives. Lord God, where we feel we just can't, where life is too busy and things are just too frustrating and difficult, Father, bring around us those who will encourage us. Enable us, Lord, by the power of your Spirit, to find ways and, and resources and people who can pray with us, and Lord, I just pray that you would teach this church to pray, and that you would create, you would cause this church to be to be a praying church. Lord, we praise you for your goodness, and I thank you for your word, and commit it to you in Jesus' name. Amen.